Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Ryan, Lipsy, Mike, thanks for being here, bud. Thank you. Hi, Thank Mike. you for being here. Of course. Okay. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> um, I really, really appreciate you being here, Haley, and Ryan. Thank you for being here. Um, so we're going to talk about, with your permission, this is the Mike Litton experience, as you know, and everyone has a story. Okay, and our passion is to help them tell it. So what we're going to do today, with your permission, is we're going to talk about your life story, both of you, right? And with your permission, we're going to start at the beginning and go all the way up to today. And then we're going to talk about something really, really cool that I'm super, super excited about. And that is you guys and your new coaching company. Okay, so I'm super excited to talk about that. What I want to do, if it's okay, is I want to talk about where you came from, how you got here, right? And then we'll get into the into the coaching thing too. Is that cool? Absolutely. Okay, so what we're going to do, if it's okay, is we're going to start with Haley, right? Because you're the pretty one. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll so, leave the short story. So let's talk about, no, no, we, we're, we're going to get into some detail. But tell us a little bit about where you were born. Well, it's interesting. I feel like us unicorns born and raised in San Diego here. And, um, you know, I think I was born at Grossmont Hospital in La Mesa. Yeah. I think, I think that's where I was that's born. That's a good place. Yeah. Um, and you know, both parents, blue collar workers. My dad was an iron worker from the day he was 18. He was the superintendent on Petco Park. He's, wow, yeah, that's he's, cool. I never knew yeah, that. Yeah, he signed the top of the height when concrete was being oh, poured. Cool. So that man was up at 3.30, 4 a.m. every morning and didn't get home till 2.30, 3 o'clock every day. And That's real work. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely real work. And, you know, I, I actually have to apologize to him almost every time I see him because I remember being a kid and having my friend's parents pick him up from school and they'd always be dressed nice. And then, like, my dad would come and pick me up and he'd be, like, all dirty and nasty and his hands are all rough. And I'd be like, can you just wait in the car? Like, I'll come outside. You, you don't need to come in. And now looking back on it, like, I was like, man, that was a little asshole kind of thing to do, right? Like, yeah, uh, I mean, I, it's, you're a kid. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and it's, and all of us learn, mm -hmm. right? Like my dad, I was 18 years old talking to my dad and he goes, like, listen, you're looking at me right now like I'm an idiot. But one of these days I'm going to be a genius. I had to call him a few years ago and tell him, well, you made genius. <laughs> you're a genius today. <laughs> Congratulations, right? Yeah, yeah, so, you know, that sticks with me. Like, I really, I feel every time I, like, see him or he's doing work, like, he's retired now. And I spoke with him this morning, and I was like, what are you doing today? He's like, whatever I damn well please do. That's right. That's right. That's so <laughs> like, Yeah. No, like, you knew you, Dad, because you had a lot of years of hard work, you know. 
And my mom, she was a lender since the day she was like 19. She worked for Wells Fargo. She was a bank teller, got into loans. And so it's kind of been in the real estate DNA of me, but hard work ethic. Like, I mean, both my parents worked. So if I wasn't like 110 fever or like throwing up in front of them or blood, like coming out from pores, they were like, sorry, you gotta go to school. Yeah. Like exactly. There was no faking it. it. There was no, my mom and my, both my parents always told me, I grew up doing sports. We played tons of team sports. And you know, I remember one year I was on a losing team and I was like, I just want to quit. Like we suck. Can't we just, and my mom was like, no, you committed to this. You can't quit. Like you have to finish your out your commitments. And so I got a lot of that. One of the most important things my parents have ever shot the show me or told me. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I talk to parents all the time and I'm like, look, you gotta have standards. Your children will rise to the standards that you have for them. Mm -hmm. Trust me, right? Mm -hmm. And it'll make them better adults. Oh, well, as much as I hated it, yeah. every second of it, and I like was like, why am I here? It now you're me. thinking of Exactly. To yeah. this day, I'm like, wow, like my parents really instilled a work ethic that most people my age these days and going on don't have. Like they all want to make 130 plus thousand a year and not do anything to make that. And it like makes me scratch my head. I'm like, where do you think this, how do you think that happens? Right. <laughs> um, it doesn't just materialize. No. And I had a grandfather who was in the army, or he was actually in the air force. Mm -hmm. He helped patent the red light cameras. He was one of the first people that ever told me like, Hey, you don't need college to be successful. You have a work ethic. You're smart. You can do pretty much whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Um, so I was in college and I had those words in the back of my mind and I was like, what's this whole real estate thing about? <laughs> what is all this about? So, you know, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. I came from a very hardworking background. My grandpa was an immigrant mentality as well. They came from Ireland during his oh. parents during the potato famine, had nothing, oh came over here with absolutely nothing. And he, I think he actually joined the military when he was either 16 or 17. And today is actually his 85th birthday. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. So, you know, he was a hard worker and still got in my mom and, so it kind of all trickled down and, you know, I think that really helps where I'm at in life to really have that push and surrounded by amazing people that I know I have support around me. And I think work, work ethic these days is everything. Well, it's, it's evident. Mm -hmm. Okay. I work with you guys, right? Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, you guys are my title team and it's evident. You can absolutely see it. You can see the work ethic. You can <clears throat> see the dedication. You can feel how important it is to you. So that's one of the reasons why we're sitting here, mm -hmm. by the way, because you guys are really special. Thanks, uh, you thank you. Okay, so big guy? Yes. Where were you born? San Diego, California. I think it was uh, Alvarado Hospital, Mercy Hospital, thereabouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, back in 1976, 10-10-76, Libra Dragon. There you go. And <laughs> I born in Spring Valley, raised by, uh, after five years old, a single mom, two brothers, and, um, you know, just got through, escaped high school, made it to college, to UC Davis. I actually had the Chancellor's Achievement Award. Once upon a time, this noodle was capable of critical thinking. Well, can you imagine this guy growing up in Spring Valley, too? <laughs> <laughs> this little skateboard. Yeah, there was a lot of butts kicked in there. It wasn't me doing the kicking. I'll put no. it that way. <laughs> 
<laughs> but um, but no, it was a great place to live. Spring Valley, we skateboarded all day and night. And it was back when you, uh, your mom told you to come home when the street lights came on, yeah. right? And so really great, supportive childhood. You know, it is what it is. Your broken home, it does those challenges. But uh, got in, went to UC Davis, graduated at Gaucho from Santa Barbara, met the girl of my dreams. That's why I transferred there. And we started off on our life in 2001. I got this How'd you meet her? I met her, I was painting apartments. I was a maintenance guy. <laughs> I worked with these, I did. And it's, you know, minor carpentry, maintenance, plumbing, electrical. At, you were in college. In college, I paid my way through college through, um, or, you know, the extras, uh, rent and whatnot with a job. And okay. I, I was a maintenance guy and there was a huge student turnover, like 75% of this 216 unit apartment complex turned over every summer. So we had to go in and you change the carpet, change the lighting, repaint. And so I was the guy, they would go tape and prep in front of me and I'd go spray like a couple of condos, a couple of apartments a day. I couldn't know? imagine like after college kids, those apartments would be pristine condition. Oh, no, yeah. Like it hasn't been touched right? the whole year. Yeah. Exactly. It smelled like Jimmy Hoffa was it. I bet it did. I bet tell you what I'm thinking about what it smelled no, like. You know? no. And she came home as a summer job to be a leasing agent. Okay. So here I am with paint, like uh, wherever the goggles and the mouth Right. Just didn't cover with paint, and I would come walking into the so office. Same like all your panda. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, I used to carry more weight too, so I probably did. Like <laughs> and you know, something clicked, and uh, before too long, I transferred to Santa Barbara, and we were together, and then graduated. Uh, I started a family. Came moved to San Diego. I lived in Lemon Grove. It was the cheapest apartment we could find. And then I got into this title insurance industry I knew nothing about, but it was sales. And my brother had some interesting pay stubs, so I said, "Let's give it a whirl." You know, and he, being an English major back then didn't pay very well. Yeah. Uh, for anything, you know, <laughs> I wasn't going to write the great American novel, so I figured, let's give it a whirl. And so, 2001, the market was hopping. It yeah. was just cranking, coming out of the '90s recession, and low interest rates, refi boom everywhere, and it was great for five, six, seven years strong yeah. until the Great Recession hit. So for those younger people listening, it was like our 2020, yeah. <laughs> our 2019, our 2020. Yeah. Yes. Great analogy. Oh yeah, we were stolen from the sky. Mm -hmm. yeah. You could throw a rock and hit three refinance transactions, yeah. you know. And we back then did a lot more entertaining. We were out at Padre Games and before SB 133, uh, which precludes us from doing that type of entertaining. I mean, most sales meetings were held at like a Morton's or a Ruth's Chris. Charger or, box game. Or Haley yeah. says, I got into it a decade late. Oh. <laughs> yeah. The sales part of it. It was wild. Time. It was a wild time. Mm -hmm. yeah, you I, probably heard the story. I probably would have had to have retired early as well. <laughs> it, was wild, it was a wild time. Early. People in, uh, in title insurance knew how to have a good time. Yeah. Those who remember remember somewhat you know yeah. <laughs> all the good times we had but then you know we ran into 2008 you know and um when it was the landscape changed tremendously it, it went from not any property staying on the market for all the offers to 20 listings and zero bites mm -hmm. remember those days i do my I dad, color range office at the time yeah and i had a two-page long list of agents that wanted offices literally a waiting list, two pages long of agents and one of offices. And within six months, we had one team left in the office. All the offices were, were vacant. And it was brutal. I mean, it was it was like somebody just shut a switch off. Mm -hmm. And 
all of a sudden we just kind of sat there. We just had a conversation about this the other day on the podcast about a lot of the sort of PTSD that people have from the great from that time. Now they're sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? Mm-hmm. So like they're not putting capital to work. They're not doing a lot of things that that they would otherwise be doing because everybody's waiting for that other shoe to drop. Yeah, and it's like they don't want to be caught off guard. Like, I mean, there were probably yeah. there were probably what twelve people. If you watch the big short, right? There were probably mm-hmm. what twelve people in the world that that understood what it was that was going on. They made a lot of money. They did really well, and a lot of people laughed at them. But you know. Yeah, like we've got a we've got a guy coming on Bruce Marks who founded DACA, the Neighborhood Assistance Corporation of America, and in 2000 2001 he was on Capitol Hill, screaming at Congress people about stop doing this, stop encouraging these lenders to loosen guidelines, stop doing that. You're going to create a recession. You're going to create a crash. Stop doing it, and they didn't listen to him. And so he's actually going to be coming on. He's agreed to come on. We're trying to get him, trying to get the schedule figured out, but we're going to have him on the podcast. Nice. Too. We're super excited about it. Yeah. So I only had to ask him once. Too. Cool. <laughs> I remember so. my mom's pipeline. She was telling, because I was a little too young to remember. I remember everything that happened. I mean, we were fortunate enough to keep our house, but yeah. we had rental properties. We had investment properties. My parents had to short sell all of them. I mean, my dad was in construction and my mom was a lender. She was yeah. one of those lenders. Yeah. And um, so we kind of came to a standstill and we were lucky to keep our house. And yeah. my mom was like, my pipeline went from about 3 million to zero yeah. in one day. Yeah. And that's that's when, you know, $20 a week for lunches was yeah. not happening anymore. Yeah. Like we really I, had to budget. I owned a real estate company that had almost 200 agents in it. I had a mortgage company and like somebody just pulled the rug out. Mm-hmm. And I had to pick which one I was gonna save. Mm-hmm. And I shut down the mortgage company and went to work saving the, the color rainbows, which I did by the, by the hair on my chinny chin chin, right? Yeah. But we did it. We got it done. We had to short sale our house. Mm-hmm. Our house went from $365,000. We bought a brand new, brand built brand new, moved in February 2001, went all the way up to 800 and some thousand dollars in value, and then dropped back down to 400 grand. That's insane, That's insane. if you think about yeah. it, right? And we naturally took out loans and added, you know, debt that was way above that 400 grand number and all that. Mm-hmm. We ended up short selling the house. Yeah. Closed it in February 2012. So when I tell people I understand what they're going through when they're going through short sales and foreclosures and all that kind of thing, I literally know what they're going mm-hmm. through. Like I literally lived it. Um, and you know, 2008 hit and I gained I don't know how many pounds. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I know I drank way more than I should have. Yeah. You know. Um, I mean, we all did what we what we did to try and compensate for a rough time. I mean, it's, well, there's I, mean, we're, I was part of uh, three or four multi-level marketing companies. I was doing commercial leasing because it didn't directly interfere with title, and I was still doing title. But a new, you know, I I like Haley come from a family with immigrant mentality and high level of work ethic. But a new set of problems were presenting themselves, and what was in the roaring kind of 20s of our industry, the early 2000s was a form of entertainment was taking shape as a coping mechanism for me because I had two small babies at home and a wife looking at me for all the answers about a mortgage and the rentals that we were short selling. And, um, you know, I, I found myself in the grips of alcoholism in 2009 and 10 and, you know, the beginnings of it because it went from a form of feeling better to I needed it. So, yeah. and it went from- I, I was in the same boat. 
I was yeah. in the same boat. I mean, I, you know, they call it self-medicating, right? That's kind of a polite way of saying you're drinking your feelings away yeah. or eating your feelings away. In my case, I was doing both. So I've been there. Well, Trying to numb yourself to the situation. Well, it's yeah. just, you know, you, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to explain it, but I did almost everything I did out of our house and the kids were there. And we're raising our kids and they're watching all this happen and they grew up basically deciding that there was no way they wanted to be involved in real estate now they're grown and they're talking michael's michael's talking about coming to work with us you could have knocked me over with a feather i'm like really because you watched all this happen he's like yeah but dad now i understand now i understand the long hours now i understand what you were doing now i understand what you were going through mm -hmm. right he thought real estate equated this negative experience that they saw or that they went through, right? Well, not every real estate market's that way. And now he's old enough to understand that his dad was just doing the best he possibly could to, to help us survive, to keep, you know, yeah. to keep the lights on and do what you needed to do to, to pair the damage, right? Yeah, I read an article recently about that where um, people like my age in their 30s, 20, I think it was like 27 to like 33, they're, we're very hesitant on buying homes yeah. because we saw our families lose homes. We were foreclosed on. People in my generation are like, I don't know if I want to go down that route. Yeah. So I was just oh, it's not associated with like the American dream. It's more like maybe a question mark. Yeah, yeah, it's more associated with when my parents got foreclosed on and we lost our house and had to move from our five bedroom house. That to PTSD, our... they never want that again. Mm -hmm. right? I lived through that. Yeah, well, <laughs> we all it was, it was something to live through. It really was. And it, and you know the good news is you came out better because of it, right? We, I literally had this conversation. I don't know, a couple months ago now, with a guy who turns out is a big time executive in North San Diego County. And I spent over an hour on the phone with him. And one of the things that he asked me was, he said, why is it that these hedge funds are buying thousands and thousands and thousands of single family homes and just renting them out? Part of it is millennials don't trust real estate. They have no aspiration whatsoever to buy. They're looking to rent. For the rest of their lives, they don't want to own the house. That's that's a headache to them. That's that PTSD kicking in, right? Literally, January of this year, this coming year, we start a book on homeownership. And I'm just crazy enough to think that I can drive a national narrative that homeownership needs to be part of the American dream again. We're going, we're going directly to millennials, and we're making the case to millennials why homeownership is important. According to the National Association of Realtors, the average net worth of a homeowner is over $300,000. The average net worth of a tenant is $8,000. $292,000 plus difference. Your defense rests, Your Honor. Now, right? take two, now take tens of millions of millennials mm -hmm. that don't want to own a home, right? And multiply that by $292,000. We have a problem in this country. Yeah. And the problem is 74% of this nation's net worth is real estate. Okay, so now all of a sudden our, literally our standard of living in this nation is tied to millennials owning homes. Mm -hmm. Okay, and some of them are, I mean, some of them are, yeah. but there's a huge portion, a huge percentage of them that are not doing it. Yeah. And it's the fear of the unknown. So what we're gonna do in the book is we're literally, by the way, we're gonna interview you for the book, just heads up. Okay. Um, but we're literally going to take the case to millennials as to why home ownership is number one, a wise move, and number two, not something you should fear just because you don't know about it, right? So we're going to literally lift the veil off of all that. 
We're going to talk about credit. We're going to talk about short sales. We're going to talk about foreclosures. We're going to talk about bankruptcy. We're going to talk about all the things that could potentially happen if something goes wrong, right? And here's how you handle it. It's not the end of the world, right? There are ways to overcome it, mm -hmm. okay? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go on that tangent. No, but, but that's but that's literally well, that's literally what's happening right now, though. Mm -hmm. And I believe that somebody needs to take the case, and I believe I'm the person to do it. Right? Um, somebody needs to make the case to millennials that home ownership is not the bad thing that they have in the deep recesses of their mind and their soul. And they rewrite that story, that yeah. narrative they've been telling themselves, and there's a solution. Yeah. And just like in my case, when I found myself in that condition, there was I found a solution. Thank yeah. God. I just want to share with those because we're in similar times. Yeah. Question marks. You know, more doubts than when I found myself in 2008 and nine, and and it, it got really dark for me. You know, Talk about was, the solution for a second. The solution for me is surrender. I had to surrender to the fact that I was no longer consuming. For recreational purposes, I was depending on it as a necessity in life. It was my escape mechanism, and I didn't want to face reality. It was a way to numb up from feeling the things that were fearful for me, which was the future, the past, the thing right in front of me. So, you know, there's a lot of biology and psychology behind addiction and the disease. Um, you know, unfortunately, your psychology and your biology work against you because you're pleasure center of your brain associates the import of having that substance as important as eating or sex or sleep or all those primal urges. Right. Right? So it, it's a broken brain essentially that associates a high level priority to getting wasted, to right. get to that avoidance and that escapism, whatever your substance be, it might happen to be alcohol. Yeah. And Mine so <clears throat> for me, I had to get real. And it was one of the, I mean, people ask, what's a bottom? What's that like? And it's hard to explain that to somebody who's not, haven't, hasn't lived through that. Even for those who have it in their family, it's hard to fully grasp. It's where you want to die if you haven't drank and you want to die if you can't have a drink. That to me is when you're right in the crosshairs of your bottom because you know you're ruining your life either way. Yeah. So where do you go? Right. And for me, I thankfully, wound it up surrounded by a man who had better things to do but chose to help me anyway and, and kind of nursed me through the process through the rooms of AA and recovery and and I found surrender there and I found um, a realization that <clears throat> it wasn't it, it was just it was beyond me that it was power greater than what I possessed yeah. so I had to surrender what I, my false power of, because the only power I had was to take the power back and sabotage and burn down my life. Right. And I had been doing that. I was to the brink of almost losing my family, losing my house, losing my job, losing everything. I yeah. almost burned my life down to the ground. Thank God I found this solution in recovery. And then you have to, you know, you got to get honest. You have to realize I can't do this alone. There's a power greater than me that can help me. Why don't I let him? And whatever that, shape or form that takes for you but there's a way out and there's a way that you can beat it by no longer relying on your personal power your your own devices my best thinking got me right in that circumstance right my best thoughts got me in my worst position ever right so when i released and surrendered to the process of recovery i found honesty i found courage i found hope i found that i wasn't alone and for anybody who's even had thoughts around this subject you're not alone yeah. there's so many people that deal with this on so many different flavors of addiction 
and so many different flavors of anxiety and hopelessness. And I'm telling you, the fact when I heard and I went to those rooms, I heard my story told to me by all kinds of different people, octogenarians to teenage girls to telling my story about how they had to rely on this to just get by, to live, to get through the morning. Um, I heard my story and I realized I wasn't alone. And that to me was the beginning of hope. And you know, for the first time in my life, I found a way through it. And uh, I stepped around, you know, and uh, that was five years ago for me. And it really got dark for me in the 2016 and 17. And I found the rooms of AA and in 2017, I had like three bad days <laughs> and have been sober since August 31st, 2018. Well, you got your five-year chip in August. That's about yeah. when, uh, <laughs> you know, she came in for the tail end of it. Uh, you know, you I, I was a pretty good hider of it, you know, or so I thought. But <laughs> it's funny that I was the last one to know it was me or <laughs> I was the last one to know. But I can tell you that uh, you don't have to live that way. You know, and now I help a lot of guys, you know, that whether it's fentanyl today or, you know, other cosmetic drugs or drinking, it's a handy escape mechanism. And it was my solution for years and it worked for years. I didn't have to think about all my troubles because I couldn't think, right? And that works for a while, but it's not a sustainable model. You called it numbing. Yeah. Right? It, you're, you're numbing it. You're numbing the pain. You're numbing the thought. You're numbing everything basically right so let me ask you this and thank you for 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 being so open about this i i really really from the bottom of my heart appreciate this and i know that this is going to help a lot of people i know for a fact it is so when you got to where things were the roughest did you go to a, did you go to a facility did you did somebody did somebody get in the middle of your world did what what happened what what caused what was the trigger, I guess, is the best way to put it? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of people in my circumstance where I found myself about seven years ago run into consequences, right? I mean, if you do these things repeatedly, you're going to play bumper cars on the freeway or you're going to have a family that is sick of dealing with you. And, yeah. and so I um, had some difficult consequences. I was dealing with a, you know, a, a life partner that was no longer willing to put up with the type of things that she had to live with. She was going to take the kids and leave, you yeah. know, and, and I had built, you know, from college to the career, to building houses, to starting small, to building up together, our lives together, from family to real estate to you name it, you know, dreams, our future being built together to watch that, you know, crumble, crumbling, right, was enough, thankfully, to get me and bring me to my knees enough to where I said, well, I guess my own best devices aren't working here. I need help. Like, and, I, and even then I, I couldn't stop readily because right. I, I just couldn't. And so I went to an outpatient. It was after work, four nights a week, five to eight. And uh, I would go and educate yourself and have therapy group sessions and whatnot. And, um, and that lasted about six weeks. And then I, immersed myself in the recovery community in North County when I moved to Carlsbad. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> very, very unique and healthy recovery community. And I outed myself. I said, listen, I told everybody, clients, family, friends, you know, I, I, I don't promote it, but I don't keep it a secret that I've gone through this. And so the accountability goes through the roof because you can imagine <laughs> if you tell your good friend what you're going through and then they see you at a happy hour with a Coors Light or something, it just it's not going to happen. So I, ha I had to have that level of accountability 
um, in order to to really change it. They say the only thing you have to change is everything, yeah. right? And and thankfully, the mental constructs that I was tied to that caused the pain and that fear kind of based thinking, I was able to replace with positive things and a new routine and a new way that supported what I was trying to do. And in helping others, in helping others get to where you know a stable place of sobriety helps me stay sober. Absolutely. Because in helping them through their problems, I'm not wallowing in my own issues. And it's it's like if we get lost in the service of others, then we'll find our own way through our issues. You know, we, it, it translates to business, right? We help enough people get to where they're going. Right. Exactly. And, you know, just for me, knowing Ryan for the five years he's been sober and the few months prior to, I mean, he's such an inspiration to me, to he's such a motivator our team. He's now has a new addiction, the Peloton. Um, I love that. But, you know, it really, it's so true. And I don't want to speak for him, but I'm sure he can look in the mirror nowadays and like who he's looking at. He's, his kids want to, I hear stories all the time from him about his kids want to be around him. They actually want them to, like, drive him to college and do these certain things. And it's like, you know, I'm sure five years ago it was pretty difficult to look in the mirror and, like, be okay with the situation. And now... You know, he practices gratitude every morning. There's so many things that from that world has translated into my life too. And I tell him all the time, I'm like, you need to open up. Like people love hearing this because it makes you realize like, shit, someone that successful who looks like they have it all together with their family of four and their wife that love them, he went through some really tough shit to get to where he's at. It's not just this like miracle that happened, right. but people really resonate with that. And I looked up to him every day. He's one of my best friends and I get to see him every day. And I actually am proud to be with him. I'm like, yeah. this is my, like my go-to. I know I can go to him and I know I'm not, it's not what Ryan am I going to get? It's always the same Ryan, you know? Right. And I'm sure during those other days, it was like, which Ryan was coming through the door? Like who was coming home today? And now we can all be like, we know who we're getting. It's yeah. not a guess. Well, yeah. the, the worst when you feel like everything was falling apart, it really was just falling together. Yeah. Because I was living behind a facade and a mask of things where everything on the highlight reel looked great. Mm -hmm. You know, the family looked great, the world looked great, but I was roving inside mm -hmm. and I was hiding from the world and that the isolation got deeper and deeper to where that's all I had. Your world gets really small in addiction. Yeah. It's you and your substance at the end. And um, and thankfully things changed for me and I was able to be willing to hear the message. Mm -hmm. And consequences got me to that willingness, but it takes what it takes, you know? And so if you're out there and you're feeling like your life is crumbling, it's it might be falling together instead of falling apart because mine had to fall apart for me to get some deep realizations and get honest get real honest with myself about what the hell I, what charade i was trying to pull out there and um today i get my i get my insides match my outsides today i am a extremely authentic honest individual and you know like haley said you know mike i can only they can't wait till i walk in the door and that means a lot to me yeah it really does it has to <laughs> well, everybody thank you so much for sharing i know i know with every fiber of my being that you're having a major impact on people right now. I know for a fact you are. And that's why I wanted to talk about this because, you know, you've, you are, you always have been one of my favorite people. Okay. And you just went up tenfold. Okay. <laughs> Here's the deal. All right. I don't care who you meet in life. I don't care who it is. If they've been through a tough time, like you've been through, they're better for it. Right? They're the kind of people you want to be around. 
They're the kind of people you want to spend time with and the kind of people you want to invest in. Okay? Very, very important that we talk about this and very important that we share this with people as much as we possibly can. And I can't thank you enough for doing that right here. Thanks for sharing, Ryan. I love you, buddy. We love you. Okay? All right. I know, I know it was, I know that was rough. I know it's, I know this is, I know this is Ooh, a tough subject. Made a joke. <laughs> so, um, so let's talk a little bit about, so, so your five, so your five years uh, last month, right? Yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Right. Super proud of you. So, good start. so we are in the midst of, we've started a coaching company. Let's yeah. talk about the coaching company for a minute and talk about, I mean, I'm sure that there's a, there's an element to the coaching part, right? That's life. Mm -hmm. And having gone through what you've gone through, you have a lot of wisdom to share with people in that are that are on this sort of, if you will, fast track and, and success track in, in their career and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so talk a little bit about the coaching company that you guys have created that I'm super excited about and I wanted to make sure that we highlighted it today. Well, we talk a lot about mindset. <laughs> it's the first word of our coaching company, Mindset yeah. Mission Media. And, you know, I am very fortunate being 30 years old, having someone who's instilled all of this in me because we're able to share this now. Like, Ryan took my learning curve from like this and like shortened it in half, yeah. Yeah. you know, because he was telling me everything of his trials, his tribulations. And he's like, hey, I don't want you to be where I had to go to right. to learn all these things. Like, right. I want you to learn them. Yeah. So we have mindset. I appreciate you, you for that. Yes, right? so always. I oh tell him all God. the time. His biggest thing was like, pay yourself first, savings. Yeah. Like, um, but mindset, it's so huge. And anybody in sales, I think in general, in this world, I mean, during COVID, I feel like that was one of the best things that showed us was we have to be extremely cautious about our mental health yeah. and extremely take it very seriously yeah, and take your mindset very seriously. So many people didn't realize what gratitude can do and getting outside and moving your body because we were all stuck inside. And that was a really slippery slope for a lot of people. It really was. And there are people today that are still trying to recover. There's going to be a whole new brand. It's like oh, yeah. health based it's, it's unbelievable. So that's one of our first things for our coaching company is the mindset part of being able to get grateful, moving your body, having different podcasts, because it's so important what we put in these little four inches between yeah. our ears. And that is something, I mean, you can walk outside this room and see the news going on and being like, that's it. The world's ending. What yeah. am I working for? Well, yeah, what no am kidding. I doing? No kidding. I mean, what, you in, what you let in mm -hmm. is up to you, mm -hmm. right? You're responsible for it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely true. Couldn't be more true than it is today. Well, and the, the journey I've been on and the journey we've been on in COVID has galvanized a positive mindset for us because mm -hmm. it was could go a hundred different directions. Sure. What we did is I've always espoused with the teams I've run, kind of bring your whole self to work. That means I want if you're having a shit day, I want to let's talk about it. Right. You know, or, or just know that it's safe to. Right. You don't have to, but this is a safe place, and this is just for us here. And when we come to the table, it's a round table where everybody's the same. Yeah, and you know, you, you better be sure that I'm going to bring my troubles in here. And, yeah. I, and I've got I've got a vocally processed about stuff, personal, professional, otherwise, it's coming out. And I want you to do the same. Yeah. And we've always been able to get it because if it's if it's thinking around it in here, man, it can take you out. It can yeah. take you down. It can it can cause all kinds of unnecessary fear-based thinking, which what we what we have in our head, what we let into our head, it weaves itself into our internal dialogue. And what our internal, 
if the most impression, the biggest, highest impression we have on us is the words that we use on ourselves. Yeah, ourselves. Well, I agree with that. So if you're letting in 24 seven Fox News and CNN and garbage and garbage. And Housewives and Bravo TV. And all, I mean, there's no shortage of negativity, right? You can throw a rock and hit six negative news stations like today, right? Just this moment going yeah. on right now. And so the you- negative stuff sells. It's fear-based tactics, yeah. right? If it bleeds, yeah. it leads. Yeah. So you have to counteract that, I yeah. feel. You have to I counteract agree. it with positivity and plant the seeds of productivity, positivity, and good vibes. Yeah. Because, you know, the bad is available, but so is the good. Yeah, and it's a battle, isn't it? Yeah. It's an everyday fight. Yeah. Like, you're just every day, you're fighting against what, if it bleeds, it leads, that kind of thing, right? right? Because that is a real honest-to-goodness force that, that we, have to, we have to overcome. And part of what you've been through has given you the life skills to overcome that. And that's the cool thing, right? So, so, so the coaching company is about mindset. And then discovering your mission. So what problem do you solve out in the world for entrepreneurs, right? For a, a, a title insurance person, we go out, we help agents to cultivate more business, to close and do settlement services at a high level. For a, a flipper, we help you find distressed properties or find what solutions. We help you identify what your unique selling proposition is and how to communicate that to the customer base. The audience right. is the media. So mindset, mission, media. Mm -hmm. And we really are heavy on the mindset part because it trickles down into everything. And oh, you know, sure. we can only really control. I think the reason why people have so much anxiety these days and depression is because we realize we can't control everything. We yeah. can't control the future and I can't control what happened in the past, right? Yeah. I can pretty much control two things and that's my actions and my attitude. Those are pretty much the two things that we can control in life. So if I can control my attitude and bring my best self to the day, it doesn't mean I have to be 100% that day. Yeah. But if I, you know, this morning we were talking and it's like, I may not be a 10 today, but I'm going to be a six. Like right. I'm going to give it a six. So it's about how we show up for the day and then our attitude and our actions and our actions go into what are, is our media? How are we getting our message out? And that's why we're really big on the mindset. The first thing in the morning, cause you gotta get your mind right. You gotta get your day right before you can bring that as salespeople to anybody because people smell the BS. They know if I, you know, I get told all the time, we have a positive attitude. We're always upbeat and it's like, well, yeah, because what, what else am I, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna call me and be like, hey Mike, what's up? Yeah, yeah I'm just, you know, today's just not the day. I'm gonna be like, yeah. what's up Mike? Like, yeah. how's it going? What's yeah. going on today? And so that's how we are able to help our clients and our people in our coaching program is how to get your mind right before you can go help others. Because yeah. You called it the miracle morning one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Right? Well, yeah. It's a big deal. It is. It's yeah, how you, your how you start your day, right? Well, you work your mind, you work your body, you work your mind, work your spirit. So how do you do that? You do some breathing, get quiet. The brain needs a recess and a rest too. We do that with box breathing and other methods. Working your mind. Get on a positive podcast. Get on some Ed My Life. Get on some Rob Dial. Get on some, you know, Mike Clinton experience, right? Um, like you were the Sables podcast. Or read books. I read, <laughs> I read The Daily Stoic. I read Comfort with Un Comfortable with Uncertainty. It's a Buddhist book. I read the Bible, and then I work my I work out on the Peloton. Yes, Shambles. they should. I should be a sponsor. You should. Actually. And he really should. You're selling some today, baby. I really text us back for like if there's like a thirty minute delay in Ryan's text. Katie and her team, she'll go and check the Peloton app and be yeah. like. 
He'll be on the bike for another 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least we know where he's well, at. He's like, it's better than him being in a bar. I'll take yeah. him on the Peloton yeah. versus well, the You're going to have a choice, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I follow that the, choice. Everybody has their coping mechanism. Mine yeah. is now exercise. That's yeah. how I stop the crazy, right? But whatever you have to do, have a morning routine. If you got to yeah. wake up 15 minutes earlier and then condition yourself to wake up 15 minutes earlier than that, give yourself a little time and space. Because I got a crazy house full of four kids and yeah. you know they've got all got places to be so i get up early when it's still quiet yeah. and i know you get up early so you walk the dog and do your readings and jerks that time yeah find it's your time, time. Yeah. and be selfish with that self-care is not selfish yeah. right create but you have to create the time and to in some days today I, my best was a six a lot of days i'm a 15. like i'm pretty like optimistic guy today it was like yeah, i just wasn't feeling but i guarantee i got out of bed like at a two so i got myself out and got the routine and got myself to a better place by doing the moving my body, moving my mind, moving my soul. I do a lot of reading. I go do a lot of like news with the NFL going on. I do a little bit of more sports <laughs> news today. ESPN news. I'm a bit different. of an addicted to the NFL. But so, and, and it's just about your personal journey. Yeah. And I think that if you can counteract what the world is offering up right now, which is just a steady pipeline of negativity, mm -hmm. fear tactics, fear mongering all around you. And it's just such a powerful thing to think about. What lens are you looking for? Because yeah. you go looking forward what you go looking with, right? Mm -hmm. If I look with, through a lens of gratitude, I have a gratitude practice in the morning, and I'm happy and stoked about what I got right now, I'm attracting more of that stuff into my life right. from the universe, from Santa Claus, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It's like I'm operating, it's a real thing. I'm yeah. operating at a frequency yeah. that is attracting things. That the, if I'm down here and say, oh, that's an, oh, I don't want to get out of bed, what I'm, after, I'm off, attracting things at that frequency too. Right. So it's critical to get on that level, get yourself going, and um, <clears throat> I think then you have something to offer the world, right? I've got something to inject energy into a situation instead of being an energy vampire. Yeah. And that ha all has to do with mindset. And then the, the mission in the media is kind of the easy part. Like, right. hey, what problem do you solve in the world? How can you help people at a high level? And then how can we broadcast that solution to as many people as possible? Right. And that's, what we, help, that's yeah. what we help people do. And we hold them that's accountable, cool. making sure they're doing it. We call it where they're accountability buddy because it's you know easy not to go to the gym when nobody's waiting for you, yeah. right? Like yeah. if it's like 6 a.m. I don't wake up in the morning and fist pump to go to the gym at 6 a.m. I'm not, I'm not like, yes, I get to go lift weights right now. But once I get there and I have people waiting for me, I work out with a girl almost every morning where they're at the same time every day together. I will have a better chance of showing up knowing somebody is there waiting for me. Right. And as entrepreneurs, as people, it could be lonely out there. You feel like, who else is doing this? What yeah, like you're on an island. Like you're on an island. So if you have somebody that you can say, I made, like him and I, we go back and forth, like I made this many calls today, or I'll see him slacking and I'm like, where are you at on your calls? Like yeah. we'll step it up. Or, we have good banter back and forth, but we know that we have to make those calls or we have to do our DMs or we have to do our videos to get our message out there. Because if we're not telling the message, who else is? Sure. You know, we have to be the one. So as salespeople, entrepreneurs, we help identify what conduits to get that message out and who to reach out to and what to say, the scripting and how many numbers should you be hitting a day. If you have a certain income goal you want to make, we go back and we look at, okay, well, it needs this many contracts to make this amount of closes to get this much deal. So if you want to make this much money, we got to make this many calls a day. Right. So, and it's, you know, it's easy math. It's not hard, but we have to be able to hold each other accountable. And that's where the real stickiness is 
Because if you tell us, hey, I'm doing this on Monday, this on Tuesday, on Wednesday, and then you meet with us on Thursday, and we're like, you didn't do any of it. Yeah. Who did you really let down? You didn't let us down because right. we're still going to do the same things. Right. You're letting yourself down. Yeah. And that, I think, is more important than letting anybody else down. It's letting yourself down. Yeah. So that's where we hold people accountable. Yeah, and the best thing about you guys holding them accountable is they don't want to let you down. It's like not showing yeah. up at the gym, right? Exactly. Not, you don't show up at the gym, but your, but your workout partner did, mm -hmm. right? And you feel terrible. Yep. Okay. That's a big part of what you guys bring to the table. That's a big value. Mm -hmm. It really is. Well, it's hard because we don't have these like giant, we don't have the, all the answers. We're very much in the mix. We still do all the things that we teach. So yeah. it's not like we're walking around thinking we have all the answers, but we do notice that we might have some clues or be able to help somebody who's six paces back on the path from where we're at. And if we can help it shorten that person's journey a little bit or shorten their learning curve yeah. or give them a little hope, you know, it's like, like the recovery journey, the business journey, they're similar. They're they really ups are. and downs and challenges. They really are. And the only way is through, yeah. right? I mean, we and I try to dig under it and go around and over <laughs> it. Yeah. It's just you got to go through it because it has a lesson in that piece of adversity that's preparing you for the next piece of adversity yeah. and the next. And there you can't cheat that test system, right? You've got to get the lesson by going through the piece of adversity. And we can help shut. I think we can shine a light on the pathway for others that are behind us on the pathway, just however far. And then we still learn from those way ahead of us on the pathway, yep. right? So we're we're in coaching. We believe in coaching. Success leaves clues. I mean, some yeah. of the best, Tony Robbins has a coach. Oprah Winfrey has a coach. I mean, Tiger Woods has a coach, a golf coach, and tells him when he's messing up or what to change and what to tweak. So. The best of the best even have coaches because you always need that, I think, a little accountability aspect, that little push to get outside your comfort zone because we know good is the enemy and great, right? Yeah. Like, if you think you're doing good, well, guess what? You're your own enemy because there's so much more you can be doing outside your comfort zone. Yeah, and so that's where we really, we push each other to get outside our comfort zone. I remember the first time he looked at me and was like, hey, we're doing videos. I was like, you're crazy. Like, we're doing what? Like, I ain't At the time, a 25 year old girl, and I said, Yeah, we're doing videos, and we're going to do a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I said, Don't worry, we're not going to watch any of them. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's important to have those people to push you outside of your comfort zone. And like Ryan mentioned, we have coaches, and you know, we've rise to the top for FNF for some of the top. I mean, I guess not to say a little shameless plug a little bit, a little but shameless plug. we've You're risen right. to the top of FNF out of, of the entire FNF family, like nationwide. We've made some of the best title people out there, and that's not just because. We're, you know, I think we're pretty good looking and we're pretty funny, um, but it's not because of that. It's because we work hard. We show up every single damn day. Like when we don't want to, we still show up and right. we still are there to help our clients because when we can, going back to what Ryan said earlier, when we can help others, we get out of our shit. I yeah. stopped thinking about how shitty my morning was yeah. or, you know, my dog pissed on my bed or whatever yeah. it may be. I stopped thinking about that because now I am helping someone else overcome their problems. Yeah. So my problems don't You're matter. You're immersed in, in serving others. Mm -hmm. I think you said something along those lines when we were talking about your recovery, yeah, right? Yeah. You're immersed in helping others and you're focused on helping them. It's something bigger than you. That's right. Absolutely. That's a big deal. Well, when you see a client that's completely disillusioned, we've had people in this room that are saying, that's it. I'm going to get a job. I'm out of this is crazy business. I made 40,000 one month. I made nothing for three months. I can't do it. And we put simple systems into place and we see the lights come on and go from disillusionment to hope. Mm -hmm. It's very much like seeing a new guy working with them and going from my life is over. I can't even envision a world without my, you know, drink, my drug, whatever pills and then after 30 days and after 60 days you see the lights come on and you're like wait wait 
maybe I can do this. Maybe I can, maybe I can live a normal life. And then, you know, they get the heat off of them. They get six months and then they get a year, right? Four seasons without that drug of choice. Right. And man, I'll tell you, it's completely different people. Yeah. Like I, I want to go back to seven years ago and just be like, dude, if I can talk to that version of myself, yeah. you know, but I don't get that luxury. But so I get I pour myself into being the best person I can be today and helping as many of those other people get as many deals or get the help that they need to get through what's right in front of them. Well, that's the closest thing you can get to going back and talking to that person yeah, seven, years, you're right. seven years ago, you know? Yeah. That's the best you can do. That's the closest to it. Right. So, I mean, that's a big deal. You know, it's a big it's, deal. Are you helping us get people, you know, and give up yourself? I think karma's watching. I think whatever you call it is watching. And it comes back to you, yeah. you know? And you put out garbage right. out there, you put evil out there, you got another thing coming. But if you put good and you help others, you tend to, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Things are going to be all right, right? And um, you help enough people, man, you can, you know, you can leave a mark. So I know yeah. that's what we're here to do. So we had a conversation the other day, you and I, and you mentioned to me that when COVID hit and they shut down all the gyms, you started running. Yeah. Every day. And you couldn't, you know, you right? And you ran more than you've ever run. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it gave you an opportunity to just get out of yourself, get out of your head right and get out and do something physical i walked 136 miles in 30 days after covid hit yeah because i had to get out i had i was just i was absolutely climbing walls and half of that distance was up a giant hill in carlsbad you know right mm-hmm. so it you just some serious lbs too, yeah i you? did i did actually i got in some great i got in great shape yeah. the thing is i i never felt better right I never felt better because I got out and I got I got my blood flowing, I got sweat going, you know, the whole thing, right? Got some fresh air, the whole deal. Got to where a lot of my neighbors, you know, would look for me and wait outside their house to wave at me and kind of thing, you know? Like I'm a one-man parade or something. <laughs> weird. Uh, but it was one of those, it, was, it, was, kind of cool. it was kind of cool, you yeah. know? People um, on their front porch drinking their coffee yeah. waiting for you to go by. Yeah, here comes mine. Yeah, so, so I was interviewing the mayor of Escondido this morning and he said that he was he went on a mission with the Mormon Church. He went on a mission for two years. I said, "Great, where'd you go?" He goes, "Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I'm from, right?" And he goes, "I, you know, he goes, the one thing that I noticed was they say hi to everybody, whether you know them or you don't. You say hi to them. Well, I guess exactly what my grandfather did in Oklahoma when I was growing up. I used to ask him, Brandon, do you know all those people? He'd wave at them and say hi to them and all that kind of stuff for no reason whatsoever, right? And he's like, in California, they don't do that. It's true." They know, right? It's and and I'm constantly I'm constantly catching myself because I'll walk up to a perfect stranger and say hi to him. Yeah, we do. I'm the weirdo. I'm walking my dog every morning and yeah. I see people. I'm like, hey, and they're like, I was just gonna say, we do that. We, we do that all the time. We do that all the time. My daughter Bella's like. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. it's so embarrassed. I'm like, yeah. hey, how you doing? Hey there, how are you? My, yeah, my kids are too. Like, yeah. I had yeah. a neighbor out front over the weekend I'd never met. I was walking my dog. He was like pulling weeds, and I stopped, and I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, hey, how are you? And I was like, good, just enjoying this day. And he was like, where's the sun? And we went into a full-on conversation. I learned he bought the house from his aunt who had it. He only had to pay what is the loan on it. He got the house for like 600000 oh. on Sunset Cliffs, like has his family there. I'm like talking now. I know Dave. Like every day, me and Dave are cool now. And what now, day was that? This was Saturday. I was in Sunset Cliff Saturday. Oh, you probably if you saw me walking my little dog. I bet I missed you. You must have missed you. Well, well, you would have missed out on that whole thing yeah. if you didn't just say hello. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. I walk every time I walk. If I make eye contact with someone, I smile and say hi. Yeah. Like that's it. Well, I know yeah. I would love Tulsa. 
you got both <laughs> of the big people. Yeah, they're good people. Yeah. We won't feel yeah. so out of place there. We'll wave. Yeah, we'll you'll, you'll, you'll fit right in, I promise. <laughs> that was kind of cool. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I think it's, I think there's something to think about here. Um, when COVID hit, it really rocked people's worlds. It rocked mine. Oh I mean, I, I went, we went up to LA to get Madison, the baby. Um, and we got to an area on I-5 where, where Norwalk is where it's just a natural, it's a natural bottleneck. It's, mm -hmm. it's stopped, traffic stopped every single time. Mm -hmm. We got up there and there was nobody else on the freeway but us. You couldn't see a single car. I actually took a photo of it was the freeway because so yeah. there was nobody. I mean, we got up there an hour and 23 minutes, got back in an hour and 22 minutes. No, that never happened. No, no. We went to downtown LA, grabbed her and brought her back. Yeah. There was wow. no traffic, you guys. And, I was like, That's and that, that got to people, right? It because it was eerie. I mean, it was right, and nobody knew what was going to happen next. And it just okay, you made it through that. Okay, that's a big deal, man. That's a big deal. It really was very fortunate to have a program of recovery that I had repetitive processes yep. and things that I had put in that would counteract. But that's yeah. something to be proud of. You know what I mean? Thank you. Because a lot of people, I mean, we're still, we still are meeting people today that developed a substance abuse issue, you know, or problem during that time because mm -hmm. of what happened. Mm -hmm. The biggest I, message I can give anybody who's going through that is you're not alone. Yeah. It just feels, you feel so ashamed. And they call them a joke, they call them shame overs, you know. Yeah. But you, um, a lot of people have turned to that and turned to escapism as the answer to whatever form of anxiety is coming for them. It's, you, there, seek help. Talk about it. Get it out of yourself. Get it to others that care about you because you don't have to live like that. I did for years. This made you a better person, but it also made you a better dad and a better coach and a better partner. Mm -hmm. yeah. Going through all this has been good for you. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, and I, I hope that I can be of service to somebody. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that need help out there. And it's, we're in similar times to what sent me on my tailspin, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and it's okay, you know, just normalize it, talk yeah. about it, talk to anybody who listen. And, you know, I mean, that's what I did and I stopped and so many won't. And, um, you know, I'm just happy that I can be a resource to folks and to my family and be of service to my family and have a family. You know, all of that was threatened in my business for sure, you know, and I tell them all the time, learn this from my mistakes, because yeah. you know, life's hard enough. Yeah. You're gonna make plenty of mistakes. Yeah. You don't make the same ones I did. At least yeah. check those off the list. Yeah, and, exactly. And, uh, and there's a way through it, you know. And there's a better and easier, softer way of doing it than than having to deal with it. So the coaching company is mindset, mission, media. Yeah. How do people get a hold of you? So let's say somebody's listening to the podcast and they need coaching. Yeah. A lot of everybody needs coaching, by the way. But let's say they're listening and they need coaching. How do they get a hold of you? You can email that right there. Okay. Mindsetmissionmedia at gmail.com. Okay. That's all together. Just all together, super easy. Mindsetmissionmedia at mm -hmm. gmail.com. Okay, yeah. cool. But we're also very easily accessible. Yeah. If you find us on Instagram, Facebook, DM us, message us, 
call it, our cell phones are pretty much everywhere. You yeah. type in Ryan Lipsy or Haley Collier, yeah. you've got our cell phones. Yep. Um, we but, do a bigger point to make it very easy to find us. Yes. So it's H A Y L I E, right? You got H-A-Y-L-I-E. it. Yes. H A Y L I E. But um, yeah, we're. We want to help as many people as we can because we really enjoy putting ourselves at service to others. And we have just, that's our biggest fulfillment is when we have somebody win and we get to see that win and cheerlead that win. I don't think there's any substitute of happiness that I can find. Like when I have a client that's like, hey, we just got a deal off of one of your ideas. I'm like, I feel it inside. I'm like, yes, that is, and you know, title is title. Like, you know, we're not out here doing crazy things, but when we can help people overcome their challenges, especially in a market like this, we have no other kind of gratification. Like that is sincerely the best thing that I I enjoy out of our coaching and what we do. I agree. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being so friendly and so vulnerable. I appreciate it. Okay. I know you helped a bunch of people today. I know for a fact you did. Mm -hmm. I love you guys. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out Calvinly.com slash Rio 760.